0: Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Psalm 37, reading for our text, verse 4. It is particularly the latter part of this verse. The whole verse reads, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart, and it is specifically the subject of desires of the heart. How vital it is that we have right desires. What if those desires are wrong? And then the Lord grants those wrong desires. And what a blessing where those desires are right desires. And the Lord grants those desires. How powerful a force is desire in man. We read, even of David, a man after God's own heart, left to his corrupt and lustful desires, he enters into adultery and then murder, and the sword does not depart from his house all his days. And all of that sprang from one wrong, lustful desire. Now, we never think lightly of what a desire can spring forth. We think of what flowed out from that. Part of the chastening of the Lord for David was again instigated through desire, the desire of Amnon after Tamar, his sister, that so consumed him, lustful desire, that he then obeyed the subtle advice of Jonadam and how that then he lay with her, brought on him the wrath of Absalom, who two years later slew him, and then Absalom rising up against David. The scriptures are full of those examples of the desire of a fallen heart and the consequences of following those desires. But they also fall of the desires of the righteous, right desires. And in our text, it gives one of the secrets to a right desire, and that is delighting. In the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Because those desires then will be in consistency with a delight in the Lord. So I want to look firstly at the desire of a natural heart. A heart that all men have by nature and then secondly the desires that spring forth from God's grace and then lastly granted desires. But firstly the desire of a natural heart and we would be reminded that all of God's children. They have an old nature as well as a new nature. In our unregeneracy, we only have an old nature. And so if there are spiritual desires at all, then often those desires, they arise, as James says, to consume it upon our lusts. In Christ's day, the desire of the scribes and the Pharisees was that they might be seen of men. To that end, they wore long robes, greetings in the marketplaces, long prayers, prayers on the corners of the streets. And their desire was for the praise of men, for their own honour and glory, not the praise of God. So the desire of a natural heart might be Religious desires, it might be desires that you could say are godly desires, but the end result, the uh, thing that is to be achieved is not to God's honour and glory at all. It is consumed upon our own uh, lusts. Really one of the great things that characterises the desire of a natural heart is the absence of desire after the Lord. Not not a positive thing at all. Yes, there are many desires for sinful, vile things, corrupt things, evil things. And we could have long, long lists of that. But really it can be summed up in the, the wicked, God is not in all their thoughts. They do not have desires after the Lord. They cannot. They have no spiritual life. They have no real wanting or desire after the Lord at all. And so their lives reflect that. They reflect that desire. If we have a desire after something that begins in the heart, very soon, it is put into practice. If we really desire to do something or make every effort to do it, Uh, our whole aim, our attentions will be to bring about what those desires are. We read about the desire of the sluggard shall perish. Why? Because he desireth and has not. He doesn't add actions to his desire at all. If we had a student, a young person, that desired really to get on well in life and to attain a certain profession, then they would desire to do well with their studies, they would work very hard, they would attend their classes, they would do their homework, and everything about them would say, well, they are really desiring to attend, uh, to attain this uh, purpose. Uh, But when we uh, look at the things of God, before I was called, I had no desire for the things of God, no desire to read the word of God for myself, no quiet time, no private worship, no desire for the house of God. When I did attend, it was only by constraint, I didn't love it, and that characterised, it was a lack of desire for the things of God, and that then resulted in a lack of practice as well. And so we would know that, that very often the desire of a natural heart is a lack, It is a lack of the things of God. I wonder how that finds us this morning. Now it's said that there is in all of God's children a natural as well as a renewed heart. And I believe that one of the things, one of the desires, that do come with a renewed heart by grace is to be free from the desires of the natural man and also a grief that our desires for the things of God are so small, so little, and it will feature much in our confessions, much in our prayers, and it will cause us many searchings of heart. We have a natural heart. But does that cause us grief? And when we come to what we may hope is a spiritual heart, are we really content with desires that are so small after the Lord, to his people, to his house, that we are content to go through this world with hardly any evidence of a child of God. A desire of a natural heart felt in a renewed heart will cause much grief and much sorrow. Unless, of course, we're very low. David, when he fell, must have, in those intervening months, continued to put on a profession of religion while walking in sin. But when he is brought under conviction, then we have that beautiful Psalm 51. And what a blessed thing it is to walk in a Psalm like that. So many desires that are there, so different from the condition that he was in. In the letters to the churches in the Revelation. The Lord had controversy with some of them because they had left their first love, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, a church that no longer really had a desire after Christ. Another church that had a name to live, and yet they were dead. No life, no love, no going out unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, following afar off like Peter did, and then ended up denying the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord deliver us from the desires of a natural heart and desires that do not at all feature after the things of God. We we'll want to look then, secondly, at the desires that spring from grace. And I do want to really emphasise this. We might think, well, what we need to do is to go back to the law. We need to know that we are sinners in a greater measure fall under our sin and to desire a Saviour. One of our hymns says, Law and terrors do but harden, all the while they work alone. Now, we are to make every effort to turn from evil ways, to walk in the ways of the Lord. But if that is done on its own, with the thought that we shall make ourselves to be recovered from a dead and hard and cold and worldly condition, then it will fail, it will miserably fail. What we will find, we will deal with one thing, and another thing will rise up. We might feel we fall into a snare by something on the internet, we put a block to that, stop that, and then our deceitful, wicked, evil heart will find something else to look at, or something else to hear, and it won't go to the Lord. I often think of what was said of the children of Israel going into the Promised Land, that they weren't to take over that land all at once because they were only a few people and the beasts of the field would increase upon them. But as they grew, then they were to take over that land. And the word that is spoken in Romans 8 is that if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And that is, it is by walking in a positive way, desiring and going after the Lord in a positive way, delighting ourselves in the Lord, that then our delight in the things of the world will diminish. That will uh, be weakened. It will be mortified because we are spending our efforts and time in... Going after the things of God. One said that either prayer will stop sinning or sinning will stop praying. And that is in the same way of teaching of Romans. By a positive act of worship in prayer, it then has an effect of stopping and restraining sinning. Too often we make the mistake and spend our energies decrying our fallen state, our wicked evil heart, mourning over our lack of godliness and our lack of desires of the things of God. And our efforts are as if it all depended on us to deal with our sin and to bring us into a place of blessing. But the Gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ, He shall save His people from their sins. And we are to seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness. We are to seek that salvation that is in Christ. Many of the reproofs that Paul had to the churches that he wrote to was that they were going away from the gospel to the law. And so they weren't prospering, they weren't getting on. Now, don't get me wrong, we are not to sin that grace might abound. But, you know, if we could, and if God left his people, they would be content to make their lives outwardly and inwardly nice and holy and godly, independent of God, separate from him, and be smug and proud of our godliness and our religiousness. But when we come as a poor, broken-hearted sinner and come seeking mercy through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and delight ourselves in his salvation, in his mercy, in his blood, in his grace, in his long-suffering, Then, before we are aware of it. then our desires are right desires, and our desires are all after the Lord. I mentioned in the hymn that we've just sung, and often think about hymn, you know, my mother used to teach us this, So we should know it off by heart. And she did not know the Lord for herself until the last week or so of her life. But this was her desire, her desire herself and also for us children. And the desire is translated then into supplications, into things that are asked of the Lord. Show me that I am born of God, that my treasure is above. And then the supplication, that all my sins may be subdued. wonder how we come in there. Our sins, that they be subdued. How strong they are, how powerful they are, how defiling they are. Do we ever pray and desire that they might be subdued? What about the promises of God? Do we pray like the hymn writer? that they might be to me and for my good. Do we desire thee, Lord, to seal our pardon to our soul, proclaim our peace with God, and that conscience, our conscience so wounded by the sins that we do in thought, in word and deed, that we might have that conscience made whole, and that the Spirit of God rule in our hearts, governing all our words and ways and that grace abound in every part. Teach my tongue to sing thy praise. These are real desires that are turning into prayers and it leads to assurance and comfort of salvation. We have the same with that beautiful uh, prayer of Jabez. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, you read it, you might turn away from it because it's full of names. But then you have two verses and the character Jabez, he, he comes in just so suddenly, you don't hear of him elsewhere. We read this, And Jabez was more honourable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, because, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel and said, saying. Know that thou hast blessed me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thine hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. We read this simple word at the end, and God granted him that which he requested. Desires will end up in requests, in prayer. And those two, they, they go together. How much of our prayers are real desires? Desires that spring from delight in the Lord, spring from not slavish fear, but love, and not from doubt in the Gospel, but in the provisions of the Gospel and wanting to have those We think of our Lord and the uh, Sermon upon the Mount and how in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5 and uh, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And that is a real desire after righteousness. Why? Because they feel so unrighteous, so ungodly, not like the Lord. Their poor prayers, their poor following, their poor uh, profession, their poor obedience. You know, the word that is before us is not coming from one that views themselves as holy, his view comes from a sinner. comes from one that is desiring what he does not have and what he feels he does not have, but that he needs and he wants and he longs after. You think of going back 10 Psalms to Psalm uh, 27 and how that psalm begins. And... Uh, or Psalm Psalm, Psalm 27 verse 4 one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple and this is the desire then it's the desire of the soul Now we're exhorted to desire things. Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he exhorts them after he has set forth the blessings of love, especially charity, of practical love. And he says, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. And he He does direct them as to what they uh, should desire. Peter, he says, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And so we're exhorted in that way to desire those things that are, are right and those things that are good. And it is by God's grace these springs, these desires spring. They don't come from our old nature. And it really should be a great encouragement to all who are being uh, quickened and who feel desires, however feeble and weak, after the Lord, that is the Lord that puts those desires in the heart. Was so. We me at the very beginning, and I believe with all of the people of God, it will be that which begins not in full assurance, not in knowing that they are a child of God, but with desires. Ruth had those desires after Naomi, after where she was, after her people and her God. That's what she desired. And it's a blessed thing. If there are desires there, we can say, I have desires today that I did not have in my unregeneracy. Or it is that we say that we are so concerned that once we had very strong desires, but now I have backslidden, I don't have these strong desires. They don't come out in prayers and the desire of my old nature is so strong and it grieves me and I struggle against it but my weak resistance, like M. Ryder says, ah, oh, how vain. And there is that aching void, the desire of the heart. It is, it is longing after the Lord to appear and to deliver and to save and to pour fresh life upon the whole. All these things they don't come from one that is dead in sin, one that has no concern, one that is not at all mindful of the state and condition of their souls. In Hebrews we read of those that desire a heavenly country. The things below they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. The Lord had made these things to be as nothing. And they that say such things declare plainly they seek a country. And that desire will be to be where Christ is. And you know the Lord Jesus Christ as well has those desires after his people. How that he says, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. The desire of the Lord is toward his people. The desire of his people will be toward the Lord. When we think of it, even in a natural relationship, a man and a woman that are really in love, Their desires are toward each other. They want to be with each other. They want to behold each other, hear each other's voice, see each other. Their desires will be strong, and as far as they are able, they'll put those into practice. Desires that spring from grace. Lord Jesus Christ, for all of his dear people, has suffered and bled on Calvary's tree. He's redeemed his people, redeemed them from sin, from Satan and from the grave, redeemed them from this world. He says, "Whosoever will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God." The Apostle Paul says, "The world is crucified unto me." and I unto the world. I don't want the world, and the world does not want me. And it is the grace of God that springs forth from what he has done at Calvary in paying the debt of his people and loosing them from that debt and delivering them from the power of sin and Satan to work in them that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And one of those things, one of the very first things, Will be desire. You know, even a baby, when it is first born, can't speak, can't tell the parent what it wants, but it desires the breast and it cries for that and makes every move towards it. The feelings of hunger are very evident in its desires in that early, early stage. And so I approved proved it and so it is a real sign of life. The desire of the righteous. There will be desires in the heart of God's dear people that are there because of the grace of God. He has put them there and he has drawn them. The Lord said, no man can come. Unto me, except the Father which sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up the last day. How is that drawing felt? How is it reflected? How is it realized? In a believer Is drawn, it is realized in the desires after Christ. He draws their affections. He draws their thoughts. He makes them to have a desire uh, for him that was not there by nature. now I thought, standing in the porch this morning, and I thought of that early church, and how many thousands, well there are 5,000, 3,000 that believed at Pentecost, and later on, many, many thousands. There are thousands that followed after the Lord. And I thought, who, who gave them that desire? Who brought them to come and to hear the word of the Lord? The Lord is the same God today. And he is able today to put in the hearts of men and women a desire for the Lord and a desire after him. And yet we live in such a discouraging day that none seem to desire the courts of the Lord. Men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And we we see it, and yet the Lord is still the same. And may we have those desires like the Apostle Paul did when he writes in the 10th of Romans. And he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer You see the two things that are going together again and how that searches us as as ministers like Paul was. He says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's what he desired, that they might be saved. And what was he seeing? He was seeing a people that weren't just not religious. He saw a people that were ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own. They wanted to be religious and to get to heaven by their own works, but they had no time for Christ, his sacrifice, his death, his righteousness, his mercy, his grace. They did not need that. They did, but they didn't feel that. We can see for salvation, we can desire things. And he says here, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. May we have a zeal that is according to knowledge, and our desire be for the salvation of the Lord, and the salvation of the gospel as is set before us in the word. Not of works, lest any man should boast, the desire that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ and that results in obedience. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And what follows from that obedience, this do in remembrance of me. As often as ye do eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death Till he come. And there is that obedience. And it flows forth from that desire to obey God. And the apostles, when they were persecuted for preaching the word, they said, we ought to obey God and not man. And so there was that desire, even taking up the cross and following the Lord and suffering for it as well. And may that desire uh, be with us, that we have evidences of desires that spring from the grace of God. Paul says, what I am, I am by the grace of God. But we don't need to be apostles and ministers or walk like the apostle did in that way, but to be is a broken-hearted sinner, With desires after the God of our salvation, after Him who suffered, bled, and died on Calvary's tree and rose again to redeem our souls from hell, to save us. The apostle says, "Ye are not your own; ye are bought with a price. Wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are His." And there will be a desire to glorify God, a desire to be used of him. You know, I don't often mention things like this, but I had a dream last night and having this text on my mind and I was picturing this man speaking to someone else and they were (coughs) pouring out their desires of what they wanted to be and to serve the Lord, and to be spent, and to serve him, and to spend their days with the Lord. And I was listening to this, and I was just so broken down in my dream, and just crying to think, here was one that longed and wanted to be of use and a blessing in the Church of God and for Christ and amongst his people. And I thought, how rare that is today. How rare it is today. And I just remember how broken down I was because of how rare it was to see someone with such a desire to be a blessing and to be used and to be a help to the Church of God. Well, on to then think lastly of granted desires. Granted desires, the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Well, what what are those those desires? They're granted. You know, there's some beautiful text in the Word of God of those. Granted promises and desires. You think of it in Proverbs, Proverbs ten and verse twenty four, the fear of the wicked it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Solemn thing if the Lord should just grant desires of the wicked. When we are in many of the Lord's people have utter things that they trample if the Lord took them at their word and at their desire in unregeneracy. But the Lord has disannulled it. He hasn't given them that, but he's given them desires that he has then fulfilled in them and, and granted to them. Psalm 20 speaks of the desires again of David and testifying that some will they trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. The desires after the Lord. And he says in Psalm 21 that the king shall joy in thy strength O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not withholden the request of his lips. And again we have the desire and request of the lips. is answered prayer. Desire is put and, and, and then prayer. And we have it later on in the uh, psalm, psalm 145. And in that psalm there's two uh, beautiful verses. One often we we quote in prayer, Thou openest thy hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. And it's a blessed thing. That's not just in a natural way, though it is in a natural way. But when we are a living thing, a living Christian, a re- living soul, and the Lord satisfies that desire so that we, we can't desire anymore. And then we have the calling and desire again joined together in, in verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfil the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. We read of Solomon that he gave to the Queen of Sheba all her desire. And may we be assured of this, as sure as the Lord has put in our hearts those right desires after him and given us prayer for those things that he will grant those desires in his time and in his way and will be to his honour and to his glory. May the Lord then grant us the desires of our heart and Put those desires, there's right desires, flowing from a delight in the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.